Welcome to this week's episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks. In this week's episode, the guys cover what the market may look like in 2023. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to uh, another episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks. My name is Charlie Sardelli, and I'm here today with Jameson Amaros, Oscar Barra, and uh, we just want to say Happy New Year, guys. Uh, welcome. Happy New Year. Yeah. Welcome to another year, and thanks for coming back and being with us. Uh, we're really excited to kind of project what's going to happen moving forward, and I think it's going to be a wonderful conversation with a great bourbon. I could not agree more. Right? I'm excited. Yeah. I mean, Oscar came in clutch bringing in this Elijah Craig. You know, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of the brand. Sliders Greg, it's my go-to at home. Um, I have their specialty bottles, uh, Toasted Barrel. This one's Barrel Proof. They have the rye. I mean, they have a few selections, and I love them all. Yeah. Their Toasted Barrel is one of my favorites. It is. I uh, am a sucker. Like, Basil Hayden has toasted. It's a little sweet. Might review that one on the podcast. Um, but this one, the toasted version of this bottle is mm. fantastic. Yep. And, you and- know, I've... I've had a good amount of bourbons, but it's nice for me personally to actually start putting them in a place, right? Knowing like, oh, this one means this, and it, that that's why it's been so cool for me to be a part of this podcast yep. and learn more about the bourbon just from the experience. Oh yeah, you know. Um, but we educate you guys too. Yeah, yeah. Thank you guys for all the feedback that you've been giving us. Honestly, we're back because of you, um, by popular demand, and we're extremely grateful to have this opportunity and this platform to be here to give you guys some information. Um, and with that. What we kind of want to do with this episode is we want to reintroduce the idea of real estate served on the rocks and ourselves as well. Um, So I'm going to go ahead and let my co-hosts introduce themselves first, and then we're going to get into the bourbon interview. Oscar, start us off. Oscar Barra, Fathom Realty. Uh, Been in business. Whoa. Business? I'm 20 years. Been a while. Uh, He is the business. uh, He's the man. Sunglasses. we We had a funny conversation and we were talking about stats. I was like, man, I make the stats. I don't read them. I was being a little cocky, but... You know, yes, I, I am. <laughs> I am the statistic. <laughs> uh, but glad to be back. Um, you know, gun shy about doing this from the beginning because of that. A lot of my my friends are that are in the business been they're they're super high high achievers, and you know, I don't want to say anything stupid, but you know what, it just it just works out that way. But no, glad to be back, and um, hopefully we could serve you with more information from the real estate community. Makes sense. Well, guys, my name is Jameson Amaros, also with Fathom Realty, and uh, I'm excited to be back. I mean, we had a ton of fun doing this over the first, I think, we had eight or nine episodes the first time we did this, and the feedback we got was phenomenal. Uh, you know, our, our goal is to educate you guys from a consumer standpoint, give you some things and a little different spin on what real estate means, right? There's a lot of podcasts out there that are centered around other agents and recruiting and whatnot. Our job is, and, and our goal is to make this whole process you know, demystified to a point uh, and allow you guys to feel really comfortable. So if you're cruising on Zillow and you're looking at houses and you're going, what the hell do I even do to buy a house? Or, hey, maybe I'm in the house and I want to sell it. Where do I even start? We want to make sure we clarify that for you guys uh, through discussions, topics, you know, relevant things that are happening in the market. And uh, hopefully along the way, we have some fun, drink some really good bourbon. And uh, I mean, we might fuck up every once in a while, but that's okay. Hey, legal disclaimer, we're not giving out any legal advice. No. Just average real estate. I was going to say, it's very important. Very, very important. important. <laughs> we, are, we are the boots on the ground, your eyes and ears. Yes. Okay. Ooh, I like yep. I like, I like it. I like that a lot. Yep. Um, well, obviously, if you're fans of the show, you're looking, you're going, well, who's, who's this guy with, with the shirt on sitting in the chair? Whoa, 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 whoa. He's the man behind the man <laughs> behind the man. Yeah. 
he's the, he's the reason all of this was even put together just yep. to let you know honestly that it's it's been really cool um for me i was the guy behind the camera so you know the guy with the little hand that would come in that was me um so getting the opportunity to be on the podcast now and and help these guys kind of share the information with the public is going to be an incredible thing that i've one never done before but two i'm looking forward to not only teaching but learning as well um and with that i am also an agent of fathom realty here in colorado uh, i say <laughs> i have been uh, uh interesting fact from north carolina i'm also from there but we'll cover that later uh <laughs> i've been with uh, a real estate agent now practicing for about a year um i actually got on the team with these guys back in june and that's what we started thinking about this whole thing and in all honesty, it's, you know, it's a wonderful opportunity for me to kind of be you guys in this situation and in this scenario, because I'm still learning and I genuinely want to know too. So I'm going to be asking questions to these guys and trying to take their knowledge and kind of push it forward for everybody. And Charlie also gave a very lucrative offer to be a hand model. Yes. Mm. If you've seen our previous episodes, uh, now he's in the velvet oh, chair. Actually, that's when you got used it. to the velvet chair. The, the arm. Just the arm. Yes. You know, this, never thought that I'd be this regal sitting in a chair like this, I'll tell you that. It's nice. That regal. You look, you look good. <laughs> Thank you. Look good. Thank you. Look great. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. All right, guys. So let's get into the one part that a lot of people were asking about was for us to bring back the bourbon review. So, Jameson, would you introduce the, the bourbon that we're drinking today? Absolutely. All right. So today, and this is courtesy of Oscar. Great choice. Thank you. We have, I'll show this to you guys. It's the Elijah Craig, but it's a private barrel, and it's barrel proof. So uh, for the layman, this will hit harder than a normal barrel. Mm -hmm. Yes, pour. It's going to be a little spicy. A um, couple cool things about Elijah Craig uh, as a whiskey brand. So they've been around for over 250 years. Uh, the original distiller was actually a pastor, and he started some of the first wool and paper mills in Georgetown, Kentucky. So wait, you could say this is... God's bourbon, or you can taste it and say, "Holy shit, <laughs> it is good." And you won't be wrong. We won't know. <laughs> We're gonna find out. Um, father yeah, of bourbon. Uh, he is known as the father. Father of bourbon. bourbon. He's the father of bourbon. And Oscar looked this up earlier. He was also the first to use charred barrels. That's correct. That's what their the website said at least. So the website, the internet says it. Don't beat me up. Well, what was it. the what was the story around the charred barrels? So well, there's two. It just kind of depends, right? So in 1789, one of two things happened. His barrels accidentally got burned in a fire and he distilled anyway and realized how good it made the, the bourbon taste. Or two, he was using sugar barrels, which are naturally charged, charred, and realized that it enhanced the flavor. We don't know which one. He's been dead for a while. I like them both. I like yes. both stories. I kind of like the accidental fire one. I was yeah. going to say that because how many things have we found out? Oh, yeah, chains. Yes. Exactly. What was it? <laughs> I think that's how coffee was brought up, right? Yeah, yeah I think coffee. peanut butter was another one. Yeah. Microwaves. Yeah. Microwaves. Right. There's just so many things. So, yeah. hey, if you don't know what you're accidental doing. Accidental success. Yeah. You don't know what you're doing with things. Just keep going. You might invent something. Yeah, just keep fucking up. Eventually, <laughs> it's going to go correctly. If you're doing it for the right reasons, you'll be fine. An acquaintance uh, of mine once said, if you want to succeed, you got to up your failure level, too. Ooh, right? Yeah. It'd be a whole other podcast. Um, <laughs> um, but anyway, so single barrel, 1789, says it right on the uh, on the bottle. This one is 126 proof, mm -hmm. and it is what we call uncut. Okay. So uncut just means that when they distill it, they distill it from the barrel to the bottle. So literally poke a hole. No drain filtering. It. They may filter it to get rid of some of the sediment, like wood chips and whatnot, but they won't water it down. So whatever proof you get out of the barrel is going to end up on in the actual bottle itself. Which means whenever they do this, and they do a three times a year release of the private barrels, 
the uh, the proof of the barrel will actually vary every once in a while because it just depends on what it's aged, the, where the rickhouse is at, temperature, all those different scientific things that I know nothing about. But it will change the proof. But whatever the proof is in the barrel is what you find in the bottle. So I'm excited to try it. You guys, you guys ready? Well, I mean, yeah. honestly, and James said, if you show, show the camera real fast, look at how clear that bourbon is. For it being unfiltered, you Jeez. know the quality that you're getting out of that yep. because there, you don't even see any particulates in the bottle. Good old it's a good amber, yeah. amber color. All right, so we're going to uh, pour it and try it. Let's do it. Good. Let's do it. And then, of course, guys, before we get that first sip in, we got to do everybody right. Swish it around, get the smell going. Let's see uh, Let's see what we get from it before we even sip it. Good thing I got my fancy shoes on. Well, I mean, hey, if we're doing a bourbon review, we're, we're doing a bourbon review, my man. You know, we got to sniff through the sniff through the burr. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm excited for it. Yeah, it's, it's a sweet smell. Yes. Yeah. For I know uh, Jason used to say, when he smelled it, that by smelling, it was kind of leading him how it was actually going to taste. Mm -hmm. But I smell, yeah, some fruity undertones, some caramel. The sweetness is incredible for the proof. Honestly, yeah, it's yeah. Oscar, what do you think? No, sweet. Since the first smell, I mean, it's vanilla. Yes, a little citrusy, sure. little spice. For no? sure. But well, sweet, sweet is I think sweet is what I'm going for. Gentlemen, cheers to the first sip of the 2023. Cheers. Actually, I totally took a sip burn. It's all right. Wow. Charlie, initial thoughts? I don't believe that it's 120 proof. Doesn't drink that way. Yeah. Right? Like, I no, not at all. And I mean, especially with, you know, we've talked about on the podcast before the burn. Yep. And granted, a lot of the time, you know, if you take a sip beforehand or something, you don't get it as much. But even with this, it's not... It's not that burn where it smacks the back of your throat. It almost accentuates the rest of the flavor. Exactly. It's, it, it's the burn that, that coats and, and, and flavors, right? Yeah. The burn that you look for, not the, it hit me back here. Oh, right. I want a cough yes. burn. It's a, like, it warms, but it doesn't sting. Exactly. It's not over, I mean, 126 proof. So you're talking almost 68% yeah. ABV, right? Mm -hmm. And just, if you guys aren't bourbon drinkers, most of the stuff that you find at the store, it's called Jack Daniels. We have 40, 42%, 90 80 proof. proof. 80, 80 proof. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this is 126, and it, it goes down smooth. This is the definition of danger when it comes. Yes. To oh, absolutely. For you know, we've had a couple of bourbons on the show where we didn't really feel like we you know needed anything extra to it, mm -hmm. and that's the one that gets in trouble because you can just keep drinking it. Mm -hmm. You know, um, but ultimately, like like Oscar was saying, how it kind of coats coats your mouth. It mm -hmm. the burn leads in and it kind of covers your tongue, but then it leaves space. For those that fruit, those fruity notes, yep. I'm definitely getting that vanilla, that caramel, um, and the burn is just so subtle on the back. I'm getting hints of the fruit first, and then it kind of dissolves into that vanilla and caramel you're talking about. Yep. Finishes extremely smooth. Yes, yes. I had the cinnamon, and I kind of cheated. I went to the website. Okay, I said cinnamon candies, and I'm like, ah, yeah, yeah, I can see, I that. Can see okay. that. Okay, I can see that. Especially, especially the aftertaste. Yeah, yeah. Like after it sat on your tongue for a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For so far. Very, very good. Yes. Oh, yeah. Very good. Um, this makes for the 
fast forward of the podcast at the end. I'm going to be okay, excited for that. Yeah, I'm, I'm already going to be there. Are we going to be feeling? What are we going to be talking about? Might not even yeah. be real estate related. Like, so what do you think about the market? I think this is fucking fantastic. <laughs> yeah, this fucking curve is awesome. That's what's going on. Let's with any deal. Right. This goes great with any market. <laughs> Which, by the way, if you're tuning in for the first time, we do get a little R-rated as far as language goes. Sorry. I apologize. Yes. However, it's who I am, and I, yeah. I'm i going to be real with you guys. So. And, Sorry. You know, for all three of us, that's honestly the one thing that this podcast has to be for us is genuine and yeah. real. Because the whole reason that we're doing this is to give you guys the information and that inside view that you might not get normally. So if we're masking this up in any kind of a way, it's not because you guys are concerned. Yeah. Well, and, and that's, with that brought up, I, I've struggled with that. We've talked about yeah. before filming because with me, <clears throat> when it comes to real estate and, and work, I'm a very different individual. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm all about work. I'm very different. I'm. It's just not my my home personality. Yeah. And then when you get to know me as a friend at my house, I'm funny, I'm goofy, or like, really, you know real estate? Right. But when it comes to real estate, you know, I, I could write the book on it. Oh, yeah. yeah. But it's, so it's hard for me to merge them. To a Nuggets game, uh, Denver Nuggets, the basketball team out here. Shout out to Nuggets. Shout out to the Nuggets. Yo, that's three-time MVP, baby. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I'm just, that was, we literally got three rows in and Oscar had said hi to five or six people. That's not even as we were walking through the bar. And he was like, oh, hey, how's it going? I know what you're going It's like, Oscar's the man. <laughs> Four of them did have restraining orders that just expired. <laughs> so that's why they were forced to say hi. But I mean, like, like we always like to say, when you're dressed that spiffy all the time. Yep. How how can you not be liked? I don't not all. Oh, you know what? Uh, Speaking of, I, I man, I forgot to ask. Old fashioned, yes or no? I have already. Yeah, definitely. This one that we were talking about the toasted barrel. That's my favorite one to drink an old fashioned at. I honestly with, wow. We have to make. We have uh, to. I will bring old fashions, and you give me your verdict on whether I make a decent. Well, old no, fashioned honestly, out. just from the flavor profile that we got from this already. Yeah, adding that to an old fashioned mm-hmm. with the with the bitters plus the orange and across the board. Elijah Craig's a great whatever bottle you pick up. Well, I'm gonna do. I wouldn't do it with the 18 because it's pricey and 18 is pricey. Yeah. Well, uh, have I? Yes, one. Yes, but I wouldn't do pricey. it. But the rest of them, you know, this one I think I picked it up. It is a specialty bottle. Um, HP Liquors, one of my favorite places when I lived in Littleton. Yeah. Um, the owner brought me back, got me this bottle. I think I paid 60 bucks, mm-hmm. 50, 60 bucks. It's not the big, biggest one, but because it's a specialty bottle, it's That's crazy though because the Elijah Craig Toaster Barrel is 50. And you can get that one readily, right? Like yeah. It's not hard to get. So 60, 70, I mean. I mean, other liquor stores, me. Yeah. It'd be, it might be a little bit more pricey, but I mean, across the board, their product's great. Yeah. I mean, and honestly, out of all the ones that we've tried so far on the on the podcast, Oscar, I think this is, I would put this number one at, has. Hey, 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 hey. I was a little nervous. We're not there. I was a little nervous. Going about not old-fashioned ready. Oh, yeah. Saying, if you were going to take a bourbon that we've had and make it into an old-fashioned, just on the flavor profile alone. I feel like this would fit yeah. me. Out. I I don't know. Have we had uncut, unfiltered smoke wagon yet on this? I know we had the rye. No, we no, have not. No. We got to have that. And I, that, I was gonna I was gonna bring. I would. I would bring that in. Smoke wagon, uncut, unfiltered, head to head, in an old fashioned with private. We're gonna have to do like a, a face off. Oh yeah, for sure. Episode. One of us could be John Travolta. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Nicholas Cage. <laughs> I, that leaves with. Leave me with what Samuel L. Jackson. I mean, I mean he's not in the movie, but if I'm <laughs> gonna pick somebody. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, I think I like it. I like it. I like it. All right, guys. Like we were saying earlier, um, we kind of want to talk a little bit about what 23, 2023 might look like moving forward. Um, and I know for me personally, especially 
if you're watching the news right now, it's it's looking scary. You have YouTubers saying, oh my God, we're going to crash. You have, you know, CNN and, and Fox News and all of them saying, no, we're going to be okay or it's going to be bad. And people are talking about interest rates. People are talking about all these things that are that could be affected by it. So honestly, with the experience that we have here, I just want to see how you guys feel with, with the information that's coming out. And and I'm going to I'm going to talk a lot about my my experience, my personal experience with with how the market shifted, mm-hmm. how it maintained, and coming into the year. Yeah. My my personal experience with my properties, my clients. I know Jameson's huge on 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 stats, so he'll he'll go with what we have, and then a little bit of what the media says. Sure. I mean, yeah. podcast wise, I'm not. I don't listen to a whole lot of podcasts that have to do with real estate because I do real estate all day. Yeah. My podcast listening is totally different. It's like. It's this one right here. Historic, yeah, it's this one. <laughs> yep. This is the one. This is the only yeah, podcast as it should be for you. Historic events. That's what I. That's what I said. But anyway, yes, definitely what the market did, what it what it did during the shift, and what it's merging into, and the future of what we think it's going to happen. Because at the end of the day, you know, you have your analysts. They they will give you the stats, but we don't have a crystal ball. So no. you know what's funny? Things could change on the shift, right? Before Oscar starts, he makes a great point, right? Mm-hmm. You you think normally that something that is so data intense like the housing market it's easy to figure out and predict where it's going but there's a reason that it's not that simple Mm -hmm. a lot of people assume that the housing market like other commodity markets is what's called a free market and out of all commodities being sold right you talk about gold resources Mm -hmm. all that different things none of them are based off of personal opinion correct of an asset, whereas the housing market is, yeah. which is why it makes it so hard to predict where it's going to go. If this was Absolutely. a commodity like anything else in a free market, we could sit there and say, okay, supply, demand, it's out of whack. This is what's going to happen, mm-hmm. right? If that was true, we would still be in a seller's market Absolutely. because we have no inventory. But because the housing market technically is not a free market and it is valued based off of individual opinions, that's why it makes it so hard. So as Oscar is going to kind of take us through you know, where the market's going, where it's been and how it shifted. Keep that in mind. This is why it's, you're going to see a ton of different uh, news headlines and Armageddon one way versus the other way. Our job is to give you guys as much non-biased information as we possibly can along with our own experience. And that way, hopefully, whether you're working with us or working with a different agent, you guys can take that into account and make the decision that's best for you guys. And understand there's, there's a few factors that come into play, right? Um, What's your what what's what's your house worth? You have your appraiser. He's going to come in. He's going to give the best value that he can come up with. Apples to apples, compare other houses. But at the end of the day, your house is worth what someone's willing to pay you for. So that on any given day, on any given day. So, so with that being said, Oscar, how going into this market, you know, based on one the numbers, but also the the purchaser and buyer seller sentiment. What do you think? What do you think is coming down the pipeline? I've had a few good conversations with agents that, I mean, they've been in the business for a while. They're high producing agents and they're even questioning, right? Uh, some say gridlock. Some say we're going to, we're going to loosen up. We have had a few drops in rate. Um, I know I read an article um, that CNBC came up. The The demand for mortgages are up 20%. Wow. That's huge, right? That's, wow. yeah, that's so that, what, what's that going to do? That's going to, that's going to bring prices up. Um, I don't think we're going to go back to where it was. Because we're, I think if if we're lucky, we'll end up at five percent. I think that's a that's a that's a good round number for interest rates. 
I think they'll dwindle between five and a half and, and maybe dip a little bit under five. I don't think they will, but, but I think that'll create a quote unquote healthy market. Well, and Oscar, honestly, that that's, I love that you touched on that with the percentages for interest rates in your experience. And guys, you know, this is, you'll find that I'm very straightforward, like like these guys are when it comes to the information. But one thing that I would like to say is, please don't hold your breath for that 2.5% to come back anytime soon. Am I right, Oscar? No, I mean, absolutely you, you not. don't hold your breath. You're just going to get recessive. <laughs> yeah, you're going to pass the hell yeah. out. Yeah, sorry. And, and, that, and, and to me, going through the market from 2000 to now, mm -hmm. it was almost fictitious. 2.78, yep. you know, that was... I was like, oh my God, this is this is stupid. So what did I do? I went and bought during the pandemic when the prices were shooting up because you know what? The interest rate was cheap. Yep. It's ridiculous. I'd be crazy not to buy in that market, right? So I did. I'm, that's when I moved out here to Castle Rock. Um, so they were almost fictitious numbers. So point that it concerned a lot of us. Um, back when the first um, recession happened, uh, there was an interest, a lot of interest only products. Um, it was about 6%, 7% interest only. Obviously, uh, purchase prices were a lot lower, uh, but you were paying interest only so that you, it was called negative M, right? That means instead of paying down your, your principal, you were accumulating, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And then some other banks, I won't name any banks, but there were, there were what's called option arms. You had your 30-year your thirty year payment, your 50-year payment, your interest only, and your negative M payment. Uh, I can't remember what that one was called, but people, that that product was for your savvy investor. You were going to allocate your money somewhere else short term, yeah. right? The average consumer got that. The average consumer um, got the the subprime that was called subprime lending, um, the interest only. The good lenders would say, look, you're going to fix credit. Stat, uh, uh, you had, you know, they, they, they were putting these products because of something on credit or because of their job or whatever the case may be. Within two years, because there were two twenty eights, they were they were amortized for thirty years, mm -hmm. but in two years, it was going to ship. It was either it was going to go bonkers, right? Yeah. It was going to go up to like a principal and interest nine percent, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So the the goal was to refinance them out of that. So with all that going on, you know, people that were in the industry back then, when they saw the two point eight seven five, were like, oh my god, what's that going to do? Yep. You know? Well, and see, it's what's really interesting is I've actually uh, had a conversation with a couple investors and I asked them all the same thing because they're like, oh, you know what, Charlie, I'm really looking at getting into the market right now. And me being a little bit newer and obviously following what yeah. we we're talking about with the news and oh my God, interest rates. I was like, hey, so just quick question. Why do you want to invest right now if prices are higher and you know people are scared? And they go, actually, now's the right time because exactly what you said, people saw those 2%, you know, 2.5, 2.8. And they went, I'm going to invest. Now prices are going up. They're they're kind of drowning and they need help getting out from underneath that. So that's just a great example as to how you were saying. It depends on so many different types with the market and who's going to purchase, when they're going to purchase, right? Um, and so Oscar, with that past coming and, and like we were talking about with the sentiment being what it is with the interest rates, now that we're moving into 2023, where's your confidence level on that? How do you think that's gonna how do you think that's gonna play out? The conversation I'm having with buyers and sellers is what the percentage that when we went into the new norm, quote unquote, um, you know, because we were, when it first started, we were, we were increasing but values 20, 20% month over end. That's ridiculous, right? Yes. In, a, in a quote unquote normal or not so hot market, we do what, four to 6% year over end? 
Oscar, you want a statistic to back that up? Do it. So Colorado, and I'm just going to speak because that's obviously our market. We're yep. Over the last 10 to 11 years, home prices in Colorado have appreciated 591%. So it's up everywhere, right? But there's about seven to eight states in the West, us, Idaho, Washington, Arizona, Nevada, um, Utah, California, right? F- on average, five to six hundred percent over wow. ten years, not just wow. in depth. So what Oscar is talking about is we already had this insane run up, and then once the Fed artificially held those rates down, it went bonkers, yep. and that's what we're dealing with now. Yeah, and again, my experience in the markets that I was in here in Colorado, and again, each state has different a different way of doing real estate. Right, we're, we're, we're a table state. Yep. So everything is signed then, and we have, uh, we came out of the recession, quote unquote, ahead of the game because yep. everything was recorded there and then, not in escrow, right? Yep. It, okay. they, they were months behind. So when they take the national average, it's kind of skewed. Mm-hmm. You got the table states, you got the escrow straights. We'll get into that in, in another podcast. That's a good point, though, right? You have lag, leading indicators, lagging indicators. Absolutely. Our leading indicator was almost instantaneous. Absolutely. So we were, we're front runner when it comes to recessions. Yep. You know, real estate and the job, the job sector, the financial sector, we all, we take the hit first. So we kind of take a blunt in and then we we're the first ones out of it. In my market where I had my listings, I think we dropped five to 7% from the summer into what we had to list. Depending on the purchase price, that's where the percentages get a little skewed. Yep. Um, if you have a $400,000 home, if you have a $800,000 home, it's going to be, there's going to be a differential, right? So it was about 5 to 7%. With that said, going into the new year, I think people acclimated to, okay, this is where the new norm is going to be as far as interest rate. Let's start purchasing again. I base my business on needs. I serve a need. I'm not going to give anybody, I'm not going to sell real estate to anybody just for the commission or anything like that. Let's get that off the table. So I serve a need. That's how it needs to be. That's how it should be. Absolutely. And what I mean by serving a need People that need to buy need to sell because they just got married. They just got divorced. They had a child. They're empty nesters. All that comes into factor. They need a professional. I'm your guy. So the people that need to, because during while the while the interest rates were low, people had the luxury to say, you know what, we don't need to sell or we don't need to buy. But you know what, my house is worth so much now, and interest rates are so low. Let's go for that house that has that extra bedroom or you know that big backyard. It was more of a you know, if they had more to play with. They, yeah, yeah. So, well, and going back they, to your need point, they right? To. The other thing that happened in the, in the pandemic was people worked from home. Yeah. Absolutely. So there was actually a little bit of a need for, hey, you know what? I got a three bedroom house. It's my wife and I and our two kids. Now all of a sudden, I need a workspace. Right. Right. So I'm not sitting in the kitchen on a laptop. Or you were in, you know, you were locked down, right. twelve hundred square foot home. It's only you and a spouse. And yeah, it gets real small. I need bigger. I need a bigger house. <laughs> All of a sudden, you're like, "Hey, can we? I'm just gonna go sit in my backyard on a right. chair." And then, and then the kids follow you back, six, and you're like, six feet apart. Shit, yeah, nothing's exactly. sacred here. Who let the and dog it, out? That's kind of what happened to me. But anyway, and this is where I'm glad to not have any children at the moment. You know what? <laughs> they're a blessing, but at the same time, oh no, there's there's some there's some times where I'm like, man. You know, Charlie, I've said this to, to everybody. At some point, reality will smack you in the face. Well, you're gonna be like, "Ow!" In all honesty, I've I found me a beautiful woman, and I'm excited. Hey, First time yeah. in a long time I can say, "Hey," and I'm not saying that because she's sitting over there. I promise. No. Yeah, I, I was gonna mention <laughs> something, but <laughs> nope. nope. 
Alicia, do you score points? <laughs> Either that or she's going to be making a beat right? for the door. Right. Yes, I, uh, too much. I'm out. I'm out. Um, so so uh, coming into the new market. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So the conversation I'm having with the buyers is, look, we have dropped. I don't think it's leveled out as far as interest rates, but there's some cliches out there about interest rates and all that crap. Mm-hmm. You know what? Get into the house that you want. There's ways to shift or the the financial part of it, you know, buy downs, all that stuff that we covered in another po- a podcast. Get the house you want now because if it go it, when it we're in a seasonal market and when it go when we go back to the spring, yep. I think because again and CNBC posted that 20% more demand in mortgage, they're ramping up. Yes. It's going to ramp up again. Mm-hmm. We're not going to go crazy because we're not at 2% anymore. We're probably going to be in six yep. and high fives, but we will ramp up again. And to that point, I mean, something else that, you know, not a lot of people are taking into account is that we've seen it go from 7.5, 7.8 to below seven in two months. That is a fast decline when it comes to interest rates Yep, comparatively to the past. Right. Um, and Oscar, that I, I really like kind of what you said about how prices are, are, you know, we're seeing them come down, but obviously haven't leveled in correlation to interest rates. And I think that's kind of that that's kind of a good segue into where I was going to go with it. Um, when I started last year, I got with a friend of mine that is now my client, um, and he's a first-time home buyer. And what we were looking at when I first started looking for him for townhomes, homes, stuff like that, I could find nothing on the listings lower than three hundred thousand. Right now, I go on, and this is what we're talking about seven months, eight months later. Now I go on, and there's fifty listings under three hundred thousand. For me, looking at those numbers. I'm happy with that. If it can come down in that amount, in that amount over that period of time, I think we're heading in the right direction. Yeah, you know. Um, and l- like I said, moving forward, there's I know everybody's listening to oh the Fed is going to go bankrupt and our credit line and all that kind of stuff. And I'm not going to take Jameson's fire on this one, but don't forget it all comes down to you as the home buyer and the seller what you're comfortable with. Um, and for me, moving forward into 2023. I do think that we're going to see a steady decline in in those interest rates, which is going to bring more people to the table. Um, but what I would say is be prepared for this to be a little bit more effort driven by yourself and your agent. Sure. Right. You know, like we saw last year, it was flying. You listed it. Houses were going off the rails. It, no matter what, within a week, they were gone. Now, this is where it gets very important to trust your agent and make sure that you're getting with an agent that, like Oscar said, is not just in it for the money but is in it to make sure that you get the best deal. Because as we get closer to the spring, like you said, and the market gets hotter, people are going to want to list, they're going to want to sell. And if you don't know about rate buy-downs, if you don't know about all the different options that are available for you, you could lose out. Or or if they don't want to have those ugly conversations with you. Correct. You know, uh, I was on average 48 hours on the market, Mm -hmm. sold. That's incredible. After August of last year, I think the average was like 60 days. I was about 30 to 40 days, which drove me nuts because I want to, I want to toot my horn and say, you know what? I'm a great agent, but man, you can only do so much. Right. You know, I was going to buy a chicken suit and twirl a sign to sell this house because it, it drives me nuts. I, once I start a project, I have to finish it and I have to take two houses on the market. I don't do that. Yeah. I don't take houses on the market. I get my job done and yep. I couldn't. And that drove me nuts. Yep. And I mean, that's just a testament to, to the market. Yep. It was right. Yeah. I don't um, care how good you are. I mean. Again, it's all based on on sentiment, on buyer seller sentiment. There, there, there is an emotional factor to the 100%. to the market. One hundred percent. Jameson, what are you thinking about? Lots. 
<laughs> I have thoughts, man. I can't get this, I got, this bourbon out of my head. I got thoughts. <laughs> uh, no, I agree with a lot of what Oscar said, right? And I mean, I think the the overall sentiment that I want to make sure we all get across and to you guys that are watching or listening is, and Oscar, you know, you've done this for 17 years. My teachable point of view around, you know, like, hey, how do I, what do I look for if I'm looking for a realtor? Our job is expectation setting, right? And you can't do, you can't be good at expectation setting if you don't like to have those conversations. You're not somewhat confrontational and you don't know the market and understand that it is very, very hyper local down to two houses on the same street could be vastly different. And that goes back to my whole free market. It's not really a free market. It's based off of, of personal opinion, right? So when I look at it and swap stories all day long, I could go, you know, April of 2022, I listed a house at 675. I had offers at 700,000 before I went live on the MLS. We settled at 770, okay? Wow. So number one, that's insane. That was within 24 hours. I We listed on a Thursday. I had open houses scheduled for Saturday and Sunday, which I, I didn't get to do. Under contract. <laughs> yeah, you were so, yeah. <laughs> I was under contract by Friday afternoon and the sellers were like, well, we'll just take this and get our lives back, right? So that's crazy part number one. Crazy part number two is the market's so out of whack that normally if you list a house and I do my due diligence and that house was worth six seventy five, I could have make a, made an argument for about six fifty because one sold right next door, similar floor plan, square footage, amenities, whatever, for about six thirty. Right, so I was a little nervous. Uh, they did six six seventy five. We got it under contract at seven seventy. Full appraisal gap. Guess what? We didn't have to use the appraisal gap. Why? The appraiser came in and said, "You know what? This house is worth seven seventy. Here's how crazy it was." They took my offers that I had because I had four over $750,000 and said, this is good enough for me. This house is obviously worth over seven fifty dollars because at least four interested parties were going to pay that much, right? That's how insane it was. We go from that to this where I have a house in Parker that we listed. Again, comps back in September, five seventy five five eighty. You rolled back the clock six months, would have been gone. It's been on the market now for 120 days. We're down to 520. Wow. And we're still not getting a ton of interest and ton of offers, right? Doesn't mean the house isn't a great house. It's a fantastic house. And, and now if the pendulum swings and there's another factor, the companies that came in and bought the houses, I won't name them because I don't want to get in trouble for that. They're actually- Say open door. Yeah. You can absolutely say open door. Oh, and, 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 and the other one, the the home checkered, home whatever. Oh, all of them. All <laughs> so- there was an, a good friend of mine. Um, she had a house on the market. They they offered $100,000 less than the list price, and she is damn good at listing. Mm-hmm. But you know why? Because one of the companies sold one 100000 less because they need to unload now. Exactly. They're, they're having trouble with their portfolio. Now, so now we're dealing with that point. too. That is a beautiful, beautiful point that, again, feeds into it depends on seller sentiment. The fact that because they have to get rid of their inventory, yeah, they're just doing a quick sell. They need to get it going. And it was the one only comp in there, and it was 100000 so the agent submitted because she saw that one comp. Yes. Well, exactly. and I mean, here's the deal, right? So you can, we can have a whole other podcast on price fixing and what Open Door and Zillow <laughs> tried to do. Yeah. Right? Stories on that. On a controversial episode, we'll do it. Oh. I have, I got a whole book. On Investors, <laughs> back in back in the day, there's some crazy stories. But here's here's what I'll say. So if I look at, and I, I gave that story of my, my house in April, 
versus the listing I have now. Mm-hmm. Okay, one one was in Fort Collins. If you guys are familiar, it's about an hour and a half north of Denver. The other one's in Parker, Denver Metro, essentially, right? Uh, similar houses from a from a size standpoint, vastly different based off of seven months of market shift, right? And so the reason I bring that up is because as I look at that, and then we go into 2023, we are going to have a settling yes. issue, right? Like, and, and in my experience, if I'm selling a house, I'm usually about three months behind where the market's at. Yeah. If you're buying a house, you're actually like right up where you're at, right? Because it's your harder money you're spending. As a seller, well, I want to make money, and they tend to be a little bit farther behind. Right? And the emotional part, right? Right. Yes. Which we just had this conversation off air. Yep. The sooner people understand, PSA for everybody watching, that selling a house is a business transaction. Mm-hmm. We need to get that through our heads. It is not emotional whatsoever. Get rid of hindsight bias and understand that what you were doing is you were selling an asset that you happened to live in for 20 years mm-hmm. to somebody else who has never lived in it for a single day of their lives, yep. and they think it's worth a certain amount. So that's and I, of, I honestly think that's an important thing to note on top of that is I think that sentiment is changing. And again, we had this conversation off air previously is before homes were, you know, people lived in homes for what? Average five, five to eight, five to seven years. Now it's investment mindset and it's shifting. Right. And we're looking at one to three years. Yep. So even now the market is becoming less emotional yes. because people want to use it as an investment. And I think it's a generational thing. 100%. You know, the, the baby boomers, they're, they're done. Mm-hmm. They're out of the market. For the most part, they just want to relax. And they have the the <laughs> other generations, the the now generation that yep. they don't want to commit for five to seven years, right. maybe two. What conversation are you having with with those clients? Yes, you yep. know what? Two years investment. Yep. You got you got you got to approach it. Yep. So and and again, that's what I've been doing these these last few few months is um, meeting with newer agents because I want I want to stay relevant. What what is it? Because I've been in the game so long. Yes. All that stuff doesn't matter anymore. Mm-hmm. What is the current market looking like? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So here's here's how I classify it. Okay. I'm gonna call twenty twenty three the great stalemate. I like that. Okay. I like this is this is why. Not gonna argue with that though. Because if you look at market forces, for the most part, you always look at supply versus demand. If there's less supply, demand goes up, prices rise. Right? That's just how it is. We have the largest group of home buyers in the history of the USA coming into the market now, the millennials, right? I'm a proud millennial, you're a millennial. I'm an elder You're millennial. You're an elder millennial. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm on the council. He sits on the council of millennials. That's where that Game of Thrones, that picture you have? Yeah, on the council. Up sitting on the, uh, the Iron Throne, baby. <laughs> so if you look at it just at face value, what I'm seeing is you're talking about 20 million, 30 million individuals that are entering the housing market. And you're looking at the lowest supply of housing we've had in since 2008, essentially, right? Mm-hmm. So on paper, that means, okay, High demand, low supply, high price. That's not the case. Why? Because if you look at homeowners in America, there's there's a couple of unique things. Number one, 80% of homeowners in the USA have a mortgage interest rate under 5%. 66% are under 4 So they are locked into a scenario where it doesn't make sense for them to sell an upgrade because they're going from a 3.5% to a 6%. Mm-hmm. So the supply we would normally have for the upsizing, like Oscar talked about, the downsizing, the shifts to working from home, the I'm going to, I have to move a different state uh, to, to follow my job. They're not there, right? So if you if you talk about pandemic, why don't I need to move states if my job moves? Well, if I can work remotely, yep. I don't need to. So I don't got to sell my house. If I'm going to downsize, 
well, why would I downsize if my smaller place, and I'm a baby boomer and I'm an empty nester, why would I move to a smaller place? It's going to be more expensive. Payment, yep. Or more expensive than what I have exactly. now, right? If I'm somebody that just had a kid or two kids or whatever it is, well, now I've got life expenses. Now you talk about inflation and a couple different things. You add that on the fact of, well, if I now upgrade to an extra bedroom, extra bathroom, two extra bedrooms, larger yard, whatever it is, now I'm paying almost double. So I don't want to do that. Yep. So now all these millennials are going, well, we need houses. The people that own houses aren't going to move because they're in a stalemate. The builders are looking at that and going, well, you know what? My steel prices are up. My lumber prices are up. It's more expensive to build houses. Land is more expensive. I'm not going to build, so I'm going to ramp down. So now they're not building houses. It's a stalemate, right? I, that's I that's where we're at. You know what? We throw in the <laughs> towel, the van life, baby. Well, you go dude, pimp out a van and you know what? I could, I could live anywhere. We could. Like, exactly. I'm, just, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. I could <laughs> be out of jobs. In a van down by the river. Hey, thank you, Chris Farley. <laughs> but anyway, so that's that's where my head is. Yeah. If, I think, excuse me, we're at a stalemate. So now the natural question is, how do you break the stalemate? Yep. One of two things. Either interest rates fall mm-hmm. due to inflation getting under control. And once that happens and activity ramps up, then you'll see builders building more houses. What we are seeing is builders are building, but they're building multifamily. Yeah. Townhomes, condos, apartments, so on and so forth. So what I think is going to happen is I think rent's going to level off. Thank you. Okay. And I think rent's going to level off because right now there's a, a record number of apartments being built in the United States more than any time in our history. But that's a great point. When interest rates rise, so do rents. Yes. Yes. Because people so have you to have to pay rent. attention to that. Exactly. It's like, all right, well, I'll yes. just rent. Well, no, not necessarily. No. Not because necessarily. interest rates go to seven. Guess what? Your rent's going to be another $500 a month. Yep. It just, exactly. they go hand in hand. And in a, so like, you have to weigh out your options. Here's another one, right? Baby boomers. You talk about baby boomers, right? So baby boomers between what, 60 and 75 ish age, right? When did they buy their house? <laughs> 86. When they're in their 30s, 20s, 30s, right? <laughs> they, they were more the traditional, right? Yeah. You 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 get your college degree, you get married, you buy a house. So and- if I've lived in the house for 30 years, do I have a mortgage payment? Nope. Nope. Wait, but then there's, again, there's, but there's more. Uh, you have um, uh, the, what's where, where they pay you? Um, Social Security? No, 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 no. From your, from your mortgage. Reverse, Reverse mortgage. mortgage. Yes. Some of that, I mean- they're the community that's been yes. targeted by right. lenders and you know so, predatory and, lending, all that stuff. So there's there's a lot of that going into right. it too. But you're right, no mortgage payments. Well, and the reason I say that is because another statistic for you, yes, right? Statman Jameson is forty uh, percent of Americans that are homeowners don't have a mortgage payment, wow. and that's why we're sitting on the largest. What was the percentage? Four states ever. Dang. Now, granted, obviously it's localized. There's certain areas of the country, Midwest. Yeah. And again, the younger generation, the millennials and the younger generation look at that. And um, you got these industry media, social media gurus that say, well, don't pay off your mortgage. Don't do this. Leverage your money. I'm going to be wealthy. Well, it it goes hand in hand. You could. Yes. uh, Yes. If you rent, it may be higher. And then I I saw I saw an illustration that said you're renting for I think twenty five hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Your rent or your mortgage is going to be two thousand, and then they broke it down, and they they, they said, but then you yeah. have the repairs, the cost, oh, and everything. Yeah. It was yeah. it was more expensive. You could swing it either way, yes. but at the same time, this is not an investment. Correct. Correct. If, if you treat if, if you treat this like an investment, Correct. then it, it changes that. Yes, it changes that one hundred percent because you don't want to live here. You move out, then you put a renter in there, and now you have this for the yeah. renter, yep. and then you're making money. You're exactly. cash flowing. So I don't care what you see on. On paper, on social media, or whatever, 
talk to a, an industry specialist. Yep. Talk to a realtor that knows and what we'll they're doing. And we'll give it to you guys straight up. Yeah, right? me too. If I say, you know what, this market's not for you, I'm going to tell you, and this actually, is not for you. I was going to say, that. That's. I think that's a great place to kind of bookend the conversation on 2023. So what I want to do, and I know it's going to be challenging for all of us, if you could give one sentence on your thoughts for 2023 to, to our viewers, to our listeners, sure. what would it be? Um, just to give you guys two minutes in time because I dropped it on you. I'm going to go ahead and go first. And this time I am going to steal Jameson's thunder because he didn't bring it up. So what I would say, I, it's in my notes, okay? What I was going to say, hey, Charlie, ask me this. And then I was going to give you what thunder you were about to steal. So go for it. Oh, I'm going to take it. You're on the velvet couch, homie. Good. <laughs> what I'm going to say, and in all honesty, whether I say it and Jameson said it at the same time, it is the most important thing. In 2023, buy based on your own personal budget. Make sure it works for you. And if you can't afford it, take that time, know it's okay, and build your savings so we can come back stronger next year or whenever you're ready. Jamison? Wow, guys. Wow. Uh, hey, Charlie, real quick, yeah. before I give you my answer, ask me why I don't think mortgage rates are going to fall a ton in 2023. Give us a second. Hey, Jamison. Yes. But why aren't mortgage rates going to drop that much in 2023? I am so glad you asked. Okay, because I think it's 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 the question on everybody's mind, right? The Fed is going to raise their rates and their federal fund rate, and if they stop doing that as inflation goes down, what's going to happen to interest rates? Here's why they're not going to drop significantly. At this is will? one sentence. No, this is a paragraph. We're, <laughs> we're, we'll get to that later, right? But it's important, right? Because I talk to so many people, you do too, and I'm sure you do. Mm-hmm. I'm going to wait until interest rates drop here. I'm going to wait till I do this. I'm going to wait till I do that. Here's, here's three reasons why it's not going to happen, right? We will end up, and I agree with Oscar, I think we're going to be somewhere between 5 and 6% by December of 2023. Three main reasons. Number one, you guys have to understand that mortgage rates are driven by the bond market. And bonds are bought by investors. And if I'm investing in something, I want a return. Okay? If I know that the feds are trying to lower inflation, I know mortgage rates follow inflation. So inflation goes down, mortgage rates go down. If I'm buying bonds in the mortgage market, I know that I'm going to have a diminishing return on investment as inflation continues to get better, which means as an investor to finance said bonds to then pay for mortgages, I am going to want higher interest rates because I want to make my money. That's just how it is. So as long as there is the shadow looming of a refinance boom as we start to move mortgage rates lower, investors are going to want a higher return on their investment in the mortgage rate bond, which is going to keep mortgage rates elevated. Straight up. That's number one. Or will it bring more investors to the table and then just level off? Right. But what it's not going to do is it's Drop. not going to tank. No. Right? Number two, okay, there's the, the Fed wants inflation at 2%. That's what they've said forever. We're not at 2%. We're at 6.5. So in order to get to 2%, they got to continue to raise that Fed fund rate. They may not be as, as often- Again as it was, you know, in the first half of, of 2022, but it's going to happen and the market's going to react negatively. That will happen through 2023. It's going to be a barrier number two of mortgage interest rates diving below 5%. Thank you. The third one, and this is more of a global economics type of thing, we just have too much uncertainty. Yeah. And where, where there's uncertainty, you will never find cheap money. Mm-hmm. Straight up. So those are the three reasons I don't think mortgage rates are going to significantly decline in 2023. So take note. To Charlie's point, I 100% agree. Figure out what you can afford monthly. 
and then go from there. It does not matter. The only time your monthly budget's going to change is if you get a raise, you change jobs, or all of a sudden housing prices just dip 20, 30%. Or you win that $1.5 billion dollar lotto. I mean, yeah. then you call me, I'm going to say yep. the dopest house. So I guess I my, my one- I'll get licensed there. My one sentence for 2023. For and me, I apologize. I, I did. I changed it up. Everybody, this is our one rock takeaway. <laughs> so okay. Jameson, please wow. give me your one rock takeaway. My one rock takeaway. From a buyer and seller standpoint, due diligence. Ooh, it was in shorter than a sentence. Two words? A due diligence. Yeah, my man. Right? All right. Due diligence. Okay. Do your research. Don't pay attention to headlines. Talk to a professional, whether you're on either side, because it's going to be different for both. Do your due diligence so that you can make the best decision for you and your family, your situation, whatever it is, that you possibly can. Due diligence. That's going to be my my catchphrase for 2020. Like it. I'm, I'm going to piggyback on that. Be a DD. I'm, go I'm going to stick to my business model. If you need to sell or buy, we'll figure out your best case scenario. And if it works for you, we'll move forward. If it doesn't, I'll let you know. And then we'll find you. I know companies that do, do rentals. Oh, yep. If that's your you best case scenario. Yeah. yeah. If that's your best case scenario, then I will let you know. So I'm sticking to my business plan. If it's a need, I will fill it. If it's not, I'm going to give you the best the best and worst case scenario. You make the decision. I'm there to help you. And listen, as those conversations get tougher, mm -hmm. you got a couple of bourbon connoisseurs. Yes. That will take you out to some great cocktail. We'll have that conversation, then we'll have a pour. Yeah, Done. exactly. So with that being said, guys, um, we are in the middle of a transition with all of our contact information and stuff like that. But as of right now, uh, you can still find us at well, email is probably the easiest way to get a hold of us, mm -hmm. right? So the mile high perspective, five two eight zero at gmail.com. And then we also have individual. Individual. Contact. So if you guys want to look me up, I know Oscar was talking about social media. I do love TikTok. I'm not gonna lie. Oh, I have I, I have this guy needs to I need I need some <laughs> guilty pleasure. The Colorado real estate guy, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. That's where you guys can find me. And then if you want to personally message me, seven two zero five eight four. Three three six one. You guys can get a hold of me night and day till about eleven eleven thirty p.m. I'll answer. I need to work on my social media, but it's still Oscar the Realtor. OscarTheRealtor.com, my website, and I am Oscar the Realtor on most social medias. Um, if not first and last name, again, I got to work on all that. Um, and if you want a direct call, seven two zero two nine seven three eight two three. Email Oscar at OscarTheRealtor.com. Beautiful. Awesome. And guys, you can find me at that lifting agent or the lifting agent on Instagram. Um, you could probably tell that I go to the gym. I, I know. Trust me. I get it. But um, you can also call me at 704-402-9690. And all of us will be more than happy to assist you with any questions, anything that you have, any concerns that you have. And honestly, if you just want to have a conversation about the market, all of us love talking about it, as you can tell. Yep. So with that being said, guys, I think we should go ahead and do the beautiful honors of reviewing this Elijah Craig. Um, I've honestly been waiting this entire time. Bro, this is going to be the easiest review of all time now. You know, and we, we had talked about it the other uh, podcast that we probably should bring in some trash bourbon. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but then we were, we're not going to drink it throughout the podcast. Listen, man, like, it's hard. If we bring in trash bourbon, I will have a bandana, a wife beater, and some torn jeans. 
I'm bringing in Fireball next time. Theme night. We're going to have a <laughs> not happen. Hey, this will be a Wednesday. It's going to happen. Okay. Somebody brings me Fireball. I want my, That's what's going to happen. I want my cat too. Cat, Total my cat. straw in my mouth. The over yep. Well, Oscar's got his. Uh, we'll throw this. Oh, should we? Over. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I mean, I mean, okay. So I do. With work and everything, I like to I, I like to dress up for the most part. But when I'm out in the wilderness, oh man, we're gonna. Oh. So those uh, those those Bigfoot sightings. Uh, yeah, it's all us. I, I, it's all us. I, I went out with my buddy Sean. Shout out to Sean Maker. Uh, we went ice fishing over at Eleven Mile and uh, had a few drinks and we're out on the ice and I was down to my just my just my bibs, no shirt, no nothing. I think I, we were drinking some natural, li- no bush. He likes oh to drink bush. <laughs> well, I'm a guest. Bush in my hand, no shirt. In my in my, their bibs are like overalls, right? For ice fishing. If anybody would have heard Oscar over with the echo, it would have been sound like this. Oh, damn yeah, straight. Because I got I got family down in Florida, you know, and they're. So I got I got to give a shout out to Joey Ortega, JC's brother, mm-hmm. right? Every time we go to Lake of the Ozarks, he is a sucker for bush lights. But he makes it classy, so we call them bush lattes. Ah. Oh, don't want a bush latte. I like that. I like it. There's nothing classy about bush. <laughs> All right, guys. So you guys know how this works. Um, we normally give our our reviews, um, and uh, it's it's on a scale of one to ten. Closer to one is going to be our ten. number of rocks. Yeah. Oh yes. Yes. Number Excuse of rocks. Me. Number of rocks. I have fucked this up before. If you guys haven't. Yeah. <laughs> Again, just like closer to one, better. Closer to ten, worse. Um. And the principle is the better the whiskey, the less rocks you need to enjoy. Yes. Exactly. A, a next little whiskey. I, I drink my whiskeys or bourbons neat. Yeah. Yep. But for this, the sake of this, we need at least one rock, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So the less rocks, the better the bourbon. Correct. Yes. All right. So I'll go ahead and start it off. Go for it. Um, I'm going to, let me go ahead and, and, and do a little ASMR for the folks here. So tell you, that's my gig. Is it? No. That just put me to sleep. Wow. Ooh. Amazing. Mm, it's incredible. It, like I said, the burn is just, ah, <laughs> you can feel chef's kiss. Yeah. You can feel it, but yeah. then it just gives way to the flavor. And I, I can't, as, as much as I want to, to be the first one to do it, I can't only because there is a little bit of a burn on the end. Um, and as I've taken more sips of it, the burn does linger on your tongue as you're sipping through it. It becomes uh, a flavor profile. Yes, it adds to the flavor profile, but that would probably be the only thing that's keeping me from giving it a one. Okay. So I'm going to go ahead and give this a two. Wow. Two rocks. Okay. I feel good about bringing this. I mean, it was, hurry up and grab something. This was in my cabinet. Let's go. That I mean, it was a great grab. I appreciate Honestly, it. Honestly, <laughs> that just tells me that I need to come to Oscar's house and drink more bourbon. I do have some good bourbons. <laughs> I do. All right, Oscar, what are, what are you thinking? I'm a little biased. Elijah Craig across the board, they're my go to. I know what I know what I'm gonna I know what I'm gonna taste on their bottles across the board, but this one I purchased and I did I did take a sip, as you can tell, it was a little a little empty. Um I was surprised. I was surprised by it. Because the yeah. higher proof stuff is gasoline. I mean it, you Booker's across the board. I mean, you're going to have that kick in the face. That was in the kind of 10 we had, episode yes, yeah. 7, I think. This one was mellow. Yes. And this isn't just because I like drinking a lot of drink. It was mellow. It was great. I didn't. I did not think that I was going to have any kind of sweet profile, but True. that's that's the beginning. Yes. That's the, the first note you get is, is, is the sweet, and then you get to the spice and the burn, and then it coats. I mean, out of the Elijah Craig family, 
this one's probably going to be up there for me. Um, I'm going to give it a solid two as well. I mean, I'm going to save the one for that that one bottle that we yes. And I'm like, That's damn, just, this is this is it. Yes. This is the holy grail. Yes. We're going to find it one day. You yep. guys think it's going to be a send us in. I don't care. Or tell us what it is and we'll buy it. But yep. this is a solid two for me. And just so you guys know, we are in the works. I know we've said it for a while now, but we do have an idea structured around having something behind us that lets you guys know what we've drank, the rock ratings that we've given it. Um, that way you'll be able to try it um, as you're watching and listening to the podcast. You can drink with us and we'd be more than happy to share a drink with you guys. 100% recommend though. This one's great. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't want to overstate it, right? I think you guys kind of covered the bases on how good this is. I always look at it as, I guess, two things, right? If I'm at home, can I just sip on it and relax? And am I going to enjoy that? Yes. Uh, can I make a cocktail? Right? Because yes. I hang out with a lot of people that don't drink straight bourbon. They, they like cocktails, Manhattan's, Old Fashions, you know, a couple of different things. Would I offer this as an option? Hundred percent, I really would. And and to its to its credit, I, you know, you always say you drink a good bourbon without without the rocks, right? Mm -hmm. But one thing that rocks do is rocks open up the flavors, correct? The taste by letting yep. that water get into the, into the bourbon a little bit opens up the bourbon. Honestly, I would put one or two rocks in this just to taste the flavor because if it's this incredible straight, I'm sure that those sweet notes, that cinnamon and that vanilla. We'll punch through yep. even further with a couple of rocks. And that and that's what the old fashioned does, really. Yep. You know. Yeah. So I mean, I honestly, I, I agree with you guys. I I want to give it a one, but I know that if we do find yeah, out the grail, we're gonna have to be like, oh man, that's face off. Somebody's feelings are gonna get hurt. Eh? So it could be the smoke grill. It could. It could. Um but I I would say it too as well. I, I like it. this solid smoke grill. What over nine episodes. This is my favorite. Yes. Nice. I, I, I like would say, I would, I would honestly, I, I've struggled to find one that I liked close enough to the first smoke barrel. Don't yes. Not the rye, but but the original, um, or, or smoke wagon. Excuse me. But this one, hands yep. down, it it, yeah. it shows itself. It comes out strong, and it definitely makes you want to keep sipping instead of making you step back just from the punch. Yep. Uh, so yeah, I think if you take all that into account, you take the flavor, you take the ABV. I take, you know, can I make a cocktail with it? I got a cool smoker for Christmas. You got to bring that in. Smoke. I, I'll, I'll bring that in. Uh, I, yeah, too. Awesome rocks. It's good. It's classy. It's higher end profile-wise, but it lends itself to be cocktail as well. You know, I would, what I would recommend for this one is take it out of the bottle, put it in a decanter. When you have people come, let it breathe a little bit. Yeah. Yep. Bring that decanter over, pour this out. I guarantee that, that your guests will have a phenomenal time and they will think that you are the bourbon connoisseur of bourbon yeah. speaking of so this is just future ideas real quick before we sign off uh i do want to do a blind taste test that would be awesome once we start you know we pick our top three or four yep. that we have that are two rocks or, or better yep maybe three rocks are better mm -hmm. and do a blind test taste test and see if it matches up with what we rated them originally i think yes. it's kind of a fun thing to do so just just something for that. that'd be interesting yeah all right guys now with that being said guys everybody please remember like Follow, share, subscribe. Comment. Yes, subscribe. Um, talk stuff. I don't care. Yeah, please. Like, yeah, you know, if you guys want to talk shit to us? Go for it. Do yeah. it. I love it. If you don't, if you don't, you know, like it, you can take a hike. But you know, boom. <laughs> but with that being said, guys, like I said, we appreciate your time as always, and Absolutely. thank you for for having us back for another episode. We're really excited for what twenty twenty three is going to hold, yep. and I think that this is going to be an amazing year for the podcast, for us, for you, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and cheers, gentlemen.
Excited to be back with you guys. Absolutely. 100%. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and for a weekly video episode, subscribe to our YouTube channel.